This episode of the Gentleman's Cough Law Podcast is brought to you by Patreon and Phoenix Shaving. You are listening to the Gentleman's Cough Law Podcast. Listener beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open. I ain't got time for moping. I best be on my way Well, I still got time to save my reputation. Time to go day drinking in this dirty little town. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm your host, Jordan Crowder. Welcome to the Gentleman's Call Flop Podcast, the podcast for the rebel and the renaissance man or woman. A little bit more about that in a sec. With me, (laughs) as usual, in person is the Don. Don, Don, Donovan, 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 has it really been that long? Donald Duck? (laughs) Your word, your name gives me problems. I said Jonathan earlier today and on an earlier podcast. That's my evil twin. (laughs) You may or may not sometimes be here recording with you. You, You'll never know. (laughs) And, uh... Guest hosting with us today is uh, Lady Scofflaw. Hello. How are you doing? Greetings. Oh, great. Glad to be here. Thanks. Thanks for joining you us. You made today. Lady Scofflaw jump with your intro. With my intro? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. were. <laughs> well, you know, the problem is, is I naturally don't have any energy. I'm low energy, as Donald Trump says. <laughs> no, no, sta- no stamina. <laughs> no stamina. No stamina. So I have to start off high, especially yeah. since the music comes in high, right? Start um, off on a high like a note, as they say. Yeah. Um, later on on the show, we're going to have uh, Matt Devella, the director of Minimalism, a documentary on Netflix, and host of The Ground Up Show, which is a really great podcast. If you haven't listened to it, we'll talk to him about that. Mm. Um, let's start off with a little bit of housekeeping. What are we drinking here, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> well, it's coffee. Coffee? Yep. Uh, I don't know what kind well, of what coffee. What kind of coffee is this? You brought it, brought it, it ladies' coffee. Well, you brought uh, it, ladies' coffee. You um, brought it. <laughs> only the most local stout coffee for us, World Market, mm-hmm. Amalfi okay. Coast, espresso beans made with an AeroPress. I like that. Yep. I like the AeroPress, and this is like uh, this yeah. is a go-to coffee. Um, I've got. I'm drinking it in my Holy Shift mug. <laughs> God, I've got my own my own mug. Uh, Art of Manliness, Semper Virilis, Semper which Virilis uh, is, is yes. And then I've got the Gentleman Scofflaw podcast mug. Oh, there you go. It's clearly mm-hmm. the uh, best mug on the table. Exactly. Because yeah, I'm the on, guest. <laughs> exactly. And it's available on thegentlemanscofflaw.com. Uh, you click the shop links and uh, and buy one to support the show. It sure is holding my coffee. <laughs> yep. uh, oh, I forgot. I'm going to, I got to set up my pipe here. Let me see what I've got. I've got, and I've got a Zippo that's dead. Yep. That Zippo is Wow. Sorry, guys. That is a doornail. <laughs> that was a swift what you, switch. What do you got? What do you I got, got my Lindsay, my Lindsay lighter, um, and in it I've. Got, I don't think we need to promote that brand. No, Lindsay. Yeah, it's a. I think. Why? I think it's, it's clearly. Yeah, it's oh. I, I I was just thinking that you once gifted me a lighter like that. I was immediately did a cop find it in your car and get no, in trouble? No, I actually lost it. But I now looking at it, I never considered it before. But it is clearly well, meant it's, for bongs <laughs> and such. Is it's, it really? It's yeah. as cheap as a bic lighter, and it's got a little nozzle that you yes. can push up and but bend over to uh, what I'm put into a pipe bowl. What I'm taking into consideration more is the is the design of the coloring, like just like the black and white stripes. It just looks like something you get in the head shop. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
It's true. It's I mean, true. I, think, it's, I think it looks Chanel. Chanel. <laughs> that, you know what, Lady Scofflaw? That is why you're here. That's, uh, yeah, give us a different perspective. We'll put it, a, a, a picture of it on Instagram, and you guys could leave in the comments and, not, and describe uh, what you think it looks like. It's not spelled like your typical Lindsay. Is it's, it Linz or Lindsay? I, have I don't no, know. I don't know. We should look it, it up. It looks like Rinse. But you change the lens. I don't know. It does have a little bit of a vintage look to it. Black and white with the script. I don't know. What we should do no is comment. buy some and rebrand it with Gentleman Scofflaw on there, and then suddenly it'll become a pipe lighter. Hopefully right. the lens people aren't <laughs> listening to this. Oh, they will be. <laughs> and, and in in my uh, pipe, I've got my legendary corn cob Missouri Meerschaum pipe, and in it Classic. I've got cult. Blood Red Moon. Oh, that sounds Ooh. amazing. And it's um, it's a cherry blend. Sorry, it's hard to get this light. Get some Take your time. Aromatic cherry. Oh some my. Aromatic, aromatic cherry. Does Lady Scoff like it, that joke? Oh, she does. Oh, boy. Okay. I should <laughs> yes, probably Yes, I, I not, have heard episode one. <laughs> should have probably kept that one for... Uh, there is a lady in the house. I will. I will remind myself that I will have to put my filter yeah, on. You have to put your filter on. You At least that was subtle. Yeah. Maybe to a I shouldn't extent. be smoking. Are you not supposed to smoke around ladies? It used to be. A ladies, thing. Thing. what are you talking? Can't you see? I've got the biggest stogie in the room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's got a regular church. Yeah, what are you? Really hold this thing. What are you smoking there, Lady Scofflaw? What do you got there? It's a big fat cigar. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 all we need to know. <laughs> Uh, anyway. I look like the bad guy in Roger Rabbit, or, or is it just the baby? <laughs> just the baby. Yeah, that's what I look like. We don't even need video for this. No, podcast. It's just we like just a, need, just, old just time need. radio. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know what I want to do? I want to thank some of our new page, patrons on Patreon. Mm. It's always confusing saying patron and Patreon. Yeah, it's like it, little, it makes it. It's, it's a we should twister. we should write a letter. Uh, so thank you to at the Renaissance Man level. We have Dan Proctor. Good friend of the show, friend of mine. I appreciate it, Dan. Thank you. And Wade O'Wells. I don't think that's a real name. O'Wells. O'Wells. Are you just saying it wrong? O-H Wells. Like two words, O-Wells. Okay, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe his name is O'Well and he's being cute with it, maybe. Or, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's a nickname. Maybe he's always going, oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Wade O'Wells. Oh, well, wait, I don't know. Thanks, Wade. Thanks, Wade. Yeah. Um, and then we've got, at the gentleman level, we've got uh, Stephen Crowder. Uh, a guest uh, of the show. relative guest of, of yes. the show. Yes, I actually so ran into him recently. Yeah. Believe it or not, he remembered me. On the street. Yeah, he was wearing ranger panties and cowboy boots. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a very, very, it was a very awkward hug that he <laughs> oh gave me. But, did uh, you arc out so that your I lower sure house wouldn't touch? I yeah. sure did. I That's also, I I also looked around after just to make sure nobody had seen. But, uh, but no, uh, very, very, always, always nice, your brother. And uh, at the Scofflaw level we got uh steven michael hayes the second that's which, definitely uh, a made up name of the show it's that's actually a real real guy i, I take I, you know what? he's a good my, friend but he, i'm surprised he put his whole name as being a real name that's definitely made up smh <laughs> steven michael hayes the second smh2 thank you for uh joining us at the scoffle level and then it just says eric so uh, thank you, Eric. Thank Eric. you, Eric. <laughs> we appreciate Maybe, it. Prince yeah. Eric. Yeah. No, just, no, yeah, Prince no Eric. last name. Just says Eric. Yeah, so, Prince Eric probably listens to the show, right? Round of applause for the Patreons. <laughs> yeah, thank you, guys. Yay! Or patrons. And uh, keep an eye out for the mail because you guys will get your little welcome letter and your uh, gentleman's cough law 
vinyl sticker mm. oh, in the next few days. So <laughs> stick anyway. it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Um, have you guys seen this going around a little bit on social media this week? Um, I've got this story here. Headline, I'll read the headline. It says, student gives professor an awkward nickname, accidentally submits paper without changing it. Um, so let me pull oh. up the article here. Oh, boy. Um, basically, uh, this kid and this professor tweeted it. I'll read uh, what the professor tweeted. He says, um, a student emailed me profusely apologizing for getting my name wrong. Sorry, my my internet keeps up updating and it's pushing it further down the page. Let me scroll down. Gentlemen, Scottfly, right. IT guys. <laughs> IT guys. <laughs> All right. A student emailed me profusely apologizing for getting my name wrong at the top of their paper. And I was like, thanks, whatever. No big deal. Then I got the paper and saw their instructor was listed as Professor What's-His-Nuts. <laughs> that's not bad. Oh, man. That's oh, funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, have you? <laughs> I've done that before where like, I'm messing around like on a recording or like something. I that, well, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely feel like um, the fact that the kid emailed apologizing but then like didn't actually like uh, just kind of it was more of like hey sorry i got your name wrong <laughs> and as opposed to like i totally labeled you as something else right at that point why yeah. not be completely but honestly if i was i feel like it, 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 on the level of things to be called that's not so bad it's pretty funny yeah pretty funny yeah i mean if you I have a sense of humor like yeah <laughs> if this professor is not a stuffed shirt and has a sense of humor i think <laughs> what is this? there are things before like if you look at or even sometimes our show notes when you just kind of fill in things just kind of quickly oh yeah you don't expect to go out oh and yeah then later on you see it like, oh, well crap. i remember uh back uh, when i was working as a post coordinator for uh, certain documentaries and stuff, I would, you know, we, you actually sent me this joke on that mug where it's like, you know, you name the file as you're exporting it. Right. Yeah. And when it's not working, you, your names start to get less and less professional. <laughs> and like, at one point I remember I named it like this better effing work uh -oh. instead of like, but you know, obviously using the real word. And, uh, I think I left it in the, like the official folder. I uploaded it with that. And, uh, luckily the people I was working with were cool, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, you definitely, after a while you figure you have to be a little bit more vigilant about these things. I know the thing I relate to the most is, um, I waited tables for a really long time and on tickets, I'm sure you've seen this receipts servers will like separate the tickets by just describing the people for uh, their own mind. And yeah. so sometimes it's, it could be offensive, like, you know. Fat guy, red shirt, table five, <laughs> or like really old lady or something. Yeah. Uh, that never happened to me, you know, because I'm perfect. But I've seen it happen yeah. to others. That's that's terrible. Um, well, I feel like he needs to forever be referred to as Professor What's His Nuts. And he did change yes. his name on Twitter to Professor What's His did Nuts. Did he really? After this oh, thing okay, went viral. so then wow. he's got to be, yeah. have a good sense of humor. <laughs> that's great. That's just, just, it's not a bad nickname. Pretty funny. But he's just so happy to have a thing. It's like, yeah. T-Bone, or what is it from like, Seinfeld? Why don't we just I'm call honored. you T-Bone? <laughs> what was the T-Bone thing again? It's like you can't give yourself your own nickname, but George is trying so hard, and he's like, it's T-Bone's a cool nickname, so he, he started. He was the one spreading it. Yeah, he was trying That's to spread funny. it by ordering T-Bone every time he went out to lunch with the office, <laughs> T-Bone steak, and then one of his coworkers ordered T-Bone at one lunch, and then his boss went, 
you like T-Bone? Like, I've, you know, I've never seen you T-Bone. He's like, you like it? He's like, yeah, I like T-Bone. He's like, well, we should just call you T-Bone. <laughs> and then they gave George something bad, right? Yeah. And then <laughs> it, it got stuck. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what it was? I forget. Oh, I'm going to look yeah. it up while you're talking. It's, it, anyway. Uh, so many. You can never give yourself your own nickname. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's hard enough for me to give uh, cars and stuff, like in cameras, nicknames, when I'm like not being organic about it. Like, I remember I got the car I drive now and I kept trying to like come up with cool nicknames for it <laughs> and it just wasn't working and eventually I landed on like a nickname that my sister gave it which was Bush Root and <laughs> yeah it's the what? most ridiculous well and it's so obscure because the reason that it's called that is because there's on the on the dash like the the little electronic interface on the dash it grows little leaves because it's a hybrid so the more you drive it like a hybrid, the more leaves grow oh. on your little electronic board. And um, there's a character from Darkwing Duck named Bushroot that my sister would always joke about from our childhood. <laughs> so like she made the connection. And then from now on, it's like the car's name is Bushroot. Oh, Interesting. Funny. Yeah. Fun story. Fun story. So it was Coco, by the way. Coco. Because oh, yeah. he was flailing his arms around an anchor. <laughs> I, was actually I was talking to somebody recently, and then we'll finally get back on topic. But <laughs> I was talking to somebody recently about the, the part in Seinfeld because somebody was talking about the fact that they had to change their password to something because it was super embarrassing and their boss needed the password and like you know they didn't want to tell their boss what it was uh -oh. and it reminded me of the part in seinfeld where george is so proud that his pin uh for his like credit card is bosco or something <laughs> because of the chocolate syrup and, like the whole episode he's so proud of this but he doesn't tell anybody but he finally tells like a dying old lady what his <gasps> pin number was but she wakes up out of like a coma and starts screaming it oh, no. <laughs> Anyway, we need to watch more Seinfeld. Yeah, it's, it's a classic show. It sure uh, is. <laughs> uh, other one in the news here is, uh, I'll read this headline, Chinese nursery hires pole dancer to perform for children at ceremonies. I saw this. <laughs> I only saw, I didn't actually watch anything, yeah. but I did see a still from this and I was just like... This is, uh, I guess the principal at this kindergarten got fired after <gasps> parents complained about the adult... Uh, routine um and it was supposed to be uh kind of a welcome event i guess uh, maybe what their version a nursery version of a homecoming you know, for a a back nursery? to the school maybe back to what? school kind like of a event. first day kind of thing I, so yeah fine arts I feel, you know, expose your children i feel like this person uh this was it a principal i can't remember uh yeah principal is um either a sociopath or just really wanted to be fired i need to see like how obvious is it it's, i need to see really obvious. Okay. again i don't want to i don't know chinese customs but i feel like it's oh yeah no no that's a that's a pole dancer for yeah. sure traditional well, yeah in, in all the ways i in all the ways yeah i mean i've heard of um i've heard of like uh Things like that happening during halftime shows at basketball games, they're a little like too suggestive. Yeah. You know, it's almost like taking cheerleaders like to the next level. Yeah. But at a, uh, it was a kindergarten. <laughs> yeah. Kindergarten. Yeah. Why is there a kindergarten homecoming? I don't understand. Well, I, maybe it was like first day of school or something. Yeah, first day of school. Oh, like but opening ceremony. Yeah, kind of like opening ceremony. I oh. don't feel bad for that guy at all because that is insane. Well, maybe, maybe, uh, Maybe the dancer was just like a relative. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> needed, needed a leg up. Yeah, I needed it. So I did. <laughs> she just, yeah, yeah. In the picture, she's literally she got her leg lifted up. Hard for so, work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, either way, those kids, uh, 
Well, they got they got an early education. Yeah, they as my sure, dad used to say. Sure did. Um, let's yeah. uh, let's uh, go to a quick break, and we'll be back with listener mail. Listener mail. All right, uh, this is the time of the show where we interact with you, the listener. Um, you can interact with us a bunch of different ways. You, you know all the ways there, uh, Donovan? Uh, yeah. There's, uh, electronic mail. Well, yeah, that's one there's, of the ways. There's, uh, there's voicemail. Yeah. What, there they is, call uh, a number for that. Do you guys know what the number is? Uh, is it 1-800-SCOFFLAW? That don't, would be super smart. <laughs> that's that what it was. Be, that would be, but uh, it also would cost that's a lot true. of money oh, for dang. this little show. Uh, There's also a telegraph, <laughs> telegraph, telegram, yeah. Morse code. Which may or not be the same thing. Morse code yeah. and uh, carrier pigeon. We accept all of those. Uh, and if you uh, are on social media too, you could uh, too. leave us a comment, send us a message. If you're hip to the 21st century, or you could yeah. call our line, which is man eight one scoff. Which I don't know what the numbers are. You just have to man spell it out on the phone. Oh. You gotta have you gotta <laughs> have at least a sixth grade education to, to be able to figure it out. All right, this email um, says, "Hey, gentlemen, I thoroughly enjoy the Gentleman Scoff Law podcast, and it's an uplifting piece of my podcast obsessed listening. Hmm. Need proof? I created this graphic with a quote from episode twenty six. Hmm. So Ooh, she wow. uh, sent in a, a graphic. Another lady scoff law. Another lady scoff law." It says, social media, it did take pipe smoking out of the closet. Scott of Aristocob. That was a funny quote from him on that show. It's got a little picture of a corncob pipe. Aw. That's nice. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you very much. We might need to get you to do some more of these for our Instagram. If you'd be interested, that'd be fun. (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, And then on social media, we got a a comment um, from Right of Manhood. He says, great podcast. And then, as opposed to left of manhood, he says, "Terrible podcast." Same guy. Right of manhood. His little icons got an axe and a rose and uh, and um, a hat, a top hat. There, that seems very gentleman scofflaw to me. Could that possibly be like a? Wait a minute, Axel Rose. Oh. Isn't that Guns N' Roses? Oh, yeah, nice. that is Guns and then, Roses. And then, uh, what's his name? Slash wears a top hat, right? Oh, yes. So you I'm figured a out the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> we should do an escape room. Still, I, even if he's not a uh, a fan of Guns N' Roses, that is a very nice little oh, icon. It looks good. Many things. Um, and then we've got, uh, you want to read uh, that one, uh, Lady Scoffloff? Wow, this is so sexist of you to ask. All right, from Drew Drew STP. I think you guys were confused about what sanitary napkins are. (laughs) Laughing face. I hate that phrase so much. Sanitary napkins. It's the worst way to to describe what it is. It grosses um, me out. He's referring to the last episode we did where John was talking about how he used a sanitary sanitary napkin for a nosebleed. And we misread what he said and skated over it. And when you listen back to the episode, (laughs) clearly we didn't hear he said sanitary napkins. Also, I don't even know. (laughs) Do you know what it is, Donovan? Uh, I think I can put together in my head (laughs) what it is or what. Yeah, I I, I won't, I won't, I'll 
Yeah. Wolf. It's a weird thing because it's the only thing, because everything was always called sanitary. Mm. Like in the old days, that word mm. was always on any product. But now, like if you go to, you guys wouldn't know this, but in women's bathrooms, it will still say that like on the dispensers. Oh, it, oh I just okay. hate it. But I don't like the word napkins. But see that. Well, anyways, <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, isn't it kind of like uh, in uh, in France, like the the the. In certain places in Europe, they call cologne or perfume like toilet water. Eau de toilette. Yeah. Eau de toilette, yeah. Yeah. And it's it is like, weird. It's, it's, it's because, it, you know, we, we know a toilet as like the actual vessel, but like I think in Europe, it's usually it's it just the room. Means bathroom, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or like, yeah, the place, like, yeah, the bathroom. That makes um, sense. So it is funny where your mind goes when it has associations, but if anybody were to say sanitary napkin to me, though, I would probably immediately think like a, I don't know, like a, like a, a McDonald's napkin. A moist, yes, from a thank you. No, yes. no, like moist towelettes or something. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, we'll clean yeah. something. Yeah. So but yeah, rest assured, uh, it, it doesn't run afoul in my mind. <laughs> the word napkin, I just hate it because you know how you have like textural things that you hate. Everyone has something. Yeah. What you just said, McDonald's napkin. That's what I think of. Really dry. Uh, really I hate. I don't like dry stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, like nap- napkin. Yeah. Definitely does not. Uh, it's. It's also. I feel like napkin also has like it. It does have that like s- sound to it. <laughs> yes. You say napkin. Napkin. Ugh. It's not like. <laughs> It's Ooh, not like it. tissue. Oh, like when someone know? has dry hands and they rub it on their dry jeans. I hate that. Like freaks me out. <laughs> really? Yeah. So if I. Anything. Stop. If I go like that. I've I'm got not napkin right jeans, in front of though. me. Ugh. I'm not wearing jeans. So you have a problem with like. Like. W- with like coarse. Yes. Dry kind of friction. Yes. You diagnosed it. That's exactly what <laughs> okay. it is. Okay. Uh, I am also a doctor. I'm not just a detective. We I'm also a doctor. Eric Anderson about that and see what we should, means. we should have him, uh, psychoanalyze Lady Scofflaw, figure out where the, where this comes from. <laughs> All right. When you were a child, you <laughs> fell into a napkin factory. A and that's, it's the most Whatever. obvious answer ever. <laughs> it's like, oh. yeah, your father was killed with a napkin or something. <laughs> and I'm all better. Yeah. All right. I'm going to quit. Uh, Play this little voicemail for us from one of our listener mail. Um, all right, here we go. Hi, I have a question in the form of a riddle for you guys. Um, if a scoff law could scoff laws, which law would you scoff laws scoff? Answer me that one. Riddle me that. Uh, scoffing I don't know what thank you for that Um, I think it would have to do with like I don't know something in traffic <laughs> like crossing a oh, double well, line I will say there, uh, near where I work I won't specify the street just in case the, uh, the little uh, traffic cops want to come after me because we all know they love podcasts. I mean, what else are they going to do all day? I mean, give tickets, listen to the podcast. Eat donuts with the podcast. Yeah, but... Uh, but No disrespect to our men in blue, by the way. Well, totally kidding. Totally okay, kidding. Big, big difference from our men in blue and the guys who hand out tickets, but I guess everybody everybody needs a job. But uh, anyways, that being said, uh, I also apologize to anybody who's a traffic cop in our, in our audience. <laughs> oh, like I said, everybody needs a job. But wow. that being said, uh, I, I 
I see these signs every once in a while that are like no turn onto this street, like 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. or something. Mm. And uh, it strikes me as kind of stupid. I know that probably the neighbors don't want like heavy traffic on the street or whatever, but sometimes I'll cut through, like there'll be a gas station on that corner and I'll cut through the gas station. And yeah. uh, technically it's not turning onto that street from the other street, but it's still. Yeah, I've done that a few times. It. Use a gas station. I, don't, I also would have bucked prohibition. As well, yeah. I would have been like, "Screw this! This well, is the that, dumbest that's where the thing term ever." Scofflaw comes from. There we go. It came from uh, prohibition. Okay. That's the origin of the word. Indeed, uh-huh. free speech is also important. What about you, Lady Scofflaw? Well, Lady Scofflaw lives in California, Ooh. and late the latest is that you can't get certain types of uh, smart bulbs <laughs> mailed to you. <laughs> what? <laughs> like you can't order them and have them shipped. Lady wow. Scott all loves her Amazon. Um, so that's like prohibition <laughs> again. Yeah, it's it, true. It's You have to order it to your parents in another state and have them sent to you. Wait, what? Yeah. Okay, so there's a way to get there, around there it. Are, there are loopholes. still illegal. Oh, Technically there you illegal. go. Scoffing the law. You're, st- you're still bootlegging. Like bootlegging those bulbs. You're bulblegging. <laughs> There's nothing. Huh? That would be like the worst rap sheet ever. Like you're going to a job interview. You- it's like, oh, it says here you have a criminal record. Yeah. You were you were bootlegging some smart light like, bulbs. <laughs> or like, you know, you're in prison. They're like, what are you in for? And you're like, I was, I was getting incandescent light bulbs over the border. <laughs> Bringing them in by night, <laughs> but they caught me. <laughs> they caught me because they accidentally lit up all at once. <laughs> uh, yes. I don't know. They but, didn't see me move a muscle. Yeah, that is that is pretty dumb. It is. Pretty oh, jeez. What about dumb. you, Jordan? Um, I think it would have to do with uh, getting into the carpool lane when uh, uh, when you're already past the double lines. Double you mean? Line, yeah, oh, I like yeah. that, and I kill I a guy. Do that. I, I already do that, so I guess I am well, still. That's why you're the scofflaw. <laughs> yeah, you're a bad boy. Because <laughs> I'm like, you're what's the boy. point of waiting another 15 minutes to get to this entrance in traffic yeah. when I'm right next to it? I should just get on there. That's what just it's for. Put on your leather jacket. <laughs> rev up that Prius. Get into that carpool lane. <laughs> for the record, Jordan doesn't drive a Prius. <laughs> Until you get your first ticket and then you're totally not going to do it anymore, I'm sure. Thank you for all uh, these contributions and uh, continue to interact with us. Also, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, that helps support the show. But we also read them on the show, so it helps give us uh, content for Mm -hmm. the show. And it also helps our search ranking. So Be a content uh, maker. Be a content contributor. Yeah. You're basically a contributor to the show at that point. Um, Anyway, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with Matt Devella, filmmaker, director of uh, Minimalism on Netflix and host of The Ground Up Show. Scofflaws. This month we're announcing our new Gentleman Scofflaw Book Club. But before then, I want to take a minute to tell you about Audible's audiobook service. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're thinking. Another Audible podcast ad? Why does everyone who podcasts promote Audible? The truth is I felt the same way. And uh, before I started using Audible myself, I thought, audiobooks, isn't that cheating? I mean, that's not real reading, right? So I smugly stuck to my convictions and I just didn't read anything. Ouch. Then about a year and a half ago, I started a free trial. Now this is real, I'm not making this up. And I have listened to 16 books this past year. Basically a book every month, sometimes a little more. 
yeah, I, I loved it that much. And I keep this habit going now and listen to books about self-improvement that have helped me grow and learn tremendously. And, you know, audio books and Audible through Audible make it convenient. I listen to them when rucking or, you know, washing the car or, you know, running errands around town, driving, and I've never read so many books in such a short period. And uh, that's why we are launching the Gentleman's Scofflaw Book Club. For you other gents out there that care about making changes in your own life and in the lives of others, we're going to listen to a book to month together and discuss them on our Facebook group. So this month we're reading John Acuff's Finish, which is an amazing read. It just shatters all the ideas you have about accomplishing life goals. And John Acuff is a best-selling author, and he is absolutely hilarious, like funny in a real like stand-up comic sort of way, not in an academic author trying to be funny sort of way. So if you want to improve your own goals and want to join in on the conversation, go to audibletrial.com slash and download your free copy of Finish by John Acuff. Using that link, of course, you know, helps save you money, but it also helps support our podcast. That's audibletrial.com slash and join the ranks of elite readers. That sounded pretentious. Uh, just join because it's fun and it's good for you. Audibletrial.com slash Jenscofflaw. All right. I'm really excited to have this guest. Uh, he is a filmmaker, a podcaster. Um, I guess it's sort of a YouTube uh, personality of sorts. I, I never know what to call it these days. But a uh, uh, filmmaker of the director of the documentary Minimalism, Matt Diavella. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's funny because I feel like a lot of people get offended by the terms and labels. I yeah. know uh, <laughs> the one thing early on as a filmmaker, my parents would always call me a videographer. Oh, yeah. Um, which for whatever reason, that term, like it, it stings. It still does a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I like YouTuber. I'm totally fine with any term, you, yeah. you know, that that works fine for me. It kind of the YouTube thing kind of happened by accident. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go, let's first, maybe we can come back and talk about that, but let's first, let's talk about your documentary, um, minimalism. Cause I saw it on Netflix. It's a great film. Um, and I want to, I'm curious about how you got involved with that and you know, what sparked that idea to make that movie? Yeah. So I could, I could take you back a little bit to when I first found out about minimalism. Um, cause it was a little bit of a laugh between when and then when the film itself uh, came about. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, so I would say in 2010, I graduated college with $97,000 in student loan debt. Oh, and then geez. I did the smartest thing I could think of at the time, which was to buy a brand new car. So <laughs> at that point, I'm in like $117,000 in debt. I'm living in my parents' basement. I'm struggling to be a professional filmmaker um, you know, I, I tried to make it on my own, but I was only getting like one or two gigs a month and, you know, maybe, maybe like 300 to $400 a month, which is not enough, especially when you have these student loans coming in. Yeah. So I decided to, uh, move home with my parents and, and try to like, you know, start this thing from scratch. And I just felt like a failure because I had, you, you kind of see all these signs of what success looks like and what it should feel like. And I just pictured having all these things that I currently and presently didn't have at the time, the house, the car, 
I mean, and I didn't even have like the relationships and experiences, anything. I was just at home. I didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. And I, um, living in my parents' basement, I decided to, I actually just stumbled across an interview with a guy named Tom Shadiak, who directed the documentary I Am. He also directed some of the like classic Jim Carrey movies, like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, oh, wow. um, and, and a bunch of other great movies. And he basically was telling his story about getting everything he ever wanted. Uh, and as a filmmaker, like our stories seem to like line up where the direction where I wanted to head. And he decided after moving into a 10,000 square foot mansion that it wasn't for him, that he, it just, he's like, why am I doing this? Like, I feel like I'm just fulfilling somebody else's dream or somebody else's fantasy. This is not what I want. Yeah. Uh, and that to me was just a radical concept. And I don't know why, I guess I just was never presented this option before that yeah. I don't need to go down this path. Yeah. But it just kind of opened my eyes up to see that maybe there was another way, um, path that I could take. And then serendipitously, I start to stumble across more and more people talking about this thing called minimalism online. I actually came across these guys, Josh and Ryan, who wrote for a website called The Minimalists. And the message and story connected with me. Like right away, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in. I'm like going to get rid of all my stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a minimalist. And it wasn't that hard for me because at the time I didn't have much stuff, but it definitely changed how I looked at things going forward and also how I looked at success going forward. And then just, you know, me, I, you know, I think I saw an opportunity. Josh was looking from the minimalist was looking for, uh, and also just to clarify, Josh, uh, they run this website, the minimalist, and they also ended up becoming my producers of the film minimalism. Um, I, I reached out to him because he had this opportunity, this project he needed help on, a video on. And I said, hey, let's, yeah, let's work together. And then he came to New, they came to New York together. I filmed an adventureship, but I gave them a deal because I loved their work. And then we got along really well. The project turned out great. And then three months later, Josh reached out and was like, hey, do you want to do like a, something bigger? You want to do a documentary about minimalism? And that was really the very beginning of the film. Wow. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I've always been, a, I don't know if I, 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 I consider myself a true minimalist. That's like a thing where I've trying to figure out. Cause it's like, people always want to put stuff in a box. Um, but what I liked about your documentary is it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of up to you what minimal minimalism is. It seems like where it's like, you can decide what's important in your life and you get rid of all the other stuff that isn't. That's the kind of the way I see it now, I guess, after watching your movie. Is that, does that make sense or? Yeah, I think that was our approach going Mm. into it as well, because we knew of people who were living this lifestyle and it was, you know, relatively new. These are thousand year old ideas about Mm. simplifying and, and paring down your things and not living a materialist life. But there was really a surge in a wave of, of bloggers writing about it online in 2010, books being written about, written about it, Maria Kondo, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. All this stuff was happening around 2010 or so. And our doc, you know, we started pre-production in 2013. So it was kind of well underway. We had seen all these people talking about it and, you know, and it all looked very different. Uh, and that's the one thing that I think makes the film more conversational. Cause some people do say like, oh, well I couldn't live like Colin Wright who travels the world with a backpack, two bags, yeah. a backpack and a, and a shoulder bag. And that's the only bags. That's all the stuff he has in the world. And he travels to a new country every four months. Wow. Uh, and then we have somebody, uh, you know, Tammy Strobel is in the film and she lives in a tiny ha- house in Northern California. 
And a lot of people sit, look at those two and say, well, that's extreme. I could never do that. Yeah. Yeah. So with some people that lived ordinary lives where, you know, they have families, they have six, seven kids, they have uh, responsibilities and bills to pay, and they're not just jet setting, traveling around the world. So we tried to balance that in the film, but you know, I think it is intended to start a conversation too about the things in our lives and, you know, the way that you want to live. Yeah. I think most people don't have, ask enough questions about the life they want to lead and they just take the template that they've been given, you know, since we were born. Yeah. I, I really like that you guys have so many examples in the movie too. Cause it's like, I remember like, you know, being attracted to minimal, minimalism and then you get like on Reddit or somewhere on the internet and people are like, minimalism is having only a hundred things in your life or whatever. I'm like, well, and I thought, you know, being a filmmaker too and a podcaster now and stuff, I'm like, I've got it. I've got that just in my kit bag. <laughs> like, how could I have just. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So like, I wonder, like, how do you uh, deal with being, being a minimalist and then also functioning in like a business like you know, being not a videographer, but a filmmaker that has all this gear and equipment and stuff. I wonder like that must be hard to have that mindset, but then also it's like, I've got all these cables and cards and batteries and all this stuff. Yeah, no, I do. I'm there with you. It's funny. You mentioned the Reddit thing. Cause somebody yeah. recently posted, uh, like one of my videos on the subreddit R minimalism. Okay. Uh, I've been on Reddit for like years. I, I don't use it much anymore just cause like it's, mm. it's a distraction really for yeah. me. But, um, it's funny, like Reddit, I feel like has a different perception of minimalism than most people, or at least they're very critical and mm. they, they, they're the ones that are like setting the rules and they tend to be a little bit more, um, reactionary yeah. than like across YouTube and just blogging and social media in general. Uh, but that's a, that's a conversation for another day. Um, the filmmaking side of things, it's funny because I actually just downsized some of my camera gear. Um, I mean, since the beginning for me, it was all about making upgrades. And I think yeah. that's a, that's a great thing as a filmmaker. And that's something that we usually should be doing. Yeah. Um, you know, my first camera was a Sony Handycam, uh, like shooting to DV tape. Yeah, mine and then, too. <laughs> was yours? Yeah, it was a Sony Digital Eight. Uh, so it wasn't even it wasn't even a real technology. It was like an in between technology. What <laughs> <laughs> did it shoot to? Just the camera, like it, itself? It, well, it shot to high eight, but the digital high eight cassettes. So it was for people that still had probably a bunch of like high eight stuff that they wanted to keep. But this was like the digital version, <laughs> like right oh, before wow. DV took yeah, over. Everything. I would say, I guess, because even before then, I, I did use my parents' VHS camcorder. Oh yeah, uh, shooting straight to VHS. But like, I didn't edit that. You have to actually shoot. Like we were making like horror films and stuff. Yeah. So you'd have to actually plan out each shot, and then if you did a shitty take, you'd have to go back and reshoot yeah. over top of it. And, and you always see that little line that like comes on when you re record over it. <laughs> you yeah, can see exactly. where the re-edit yeah. was. <laughs> but that's the the crazy thing though is because then you know obviously everybody today is so focused on like how do I why do I or how can I keep creating or why should I keep creating if nobody's watching or listening to yeah. my stuff and it's like. Like nobody listens to your stuff in the beginning. Like yeah. that's, I mean, especially for us when we started, like we, there was no YouTube or there was nowhere yeah. that you could post your videos. You were just doing it for family and friends. You were doing it because you love to make the stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think people get a little bit too distracted with like the numbers and stuff now, but I went from the Sony Handycam to, um, I had that for years. And then in college I got a Sony XHA1, which was like a little bump up. And the next camera was 
when the DSLR took over, I got the Canon 5D Mark II, which just yeah. totally changed the game. It was like the first DSLR camera to shoot high quality video. Yeah. Um, and each of these were, were upgrades, like usually in price, you're paying a little bit more. And then I started to get paid to make videos. So I decided, you know, I should step things up a little bit. And, you know, even though I'm a minimalist, uh, this was actually even around the time of shooting minimalism, I was like, and it actually felt contradictory. I remember <laughs> thinking at the time, like, is it weird that I'm buying a brand new camera to shoot a film about not buying stuff or at least thinking <laughs> about the stuff you're buying? But I was like, you know what? I've got one shot at this. This is my first documentary that I'm ever, I'm ever going to make. You can only do your first one one time. So I invested in a Canon C300. Nice. And you know that was a, at the time it was like a thirteen thousand, fourteen thousand dollar purchase. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the money at the time. I did zero percent financing, so I paid it off over the course of two years. And and, and, and like oh, and then actually the camera after that is you know as insane as it sounds for people who aren't in the film world. I bought a Red Epic W, oh, which nice. was a fifty thousand dollar camera. Purchase. Yeah which is like upgrade to upgrade to upgrade to upgrade because like I'm um, as a filmmaker, you're always trying to like improve the craft. And if you're doing client work, you yeah. can make a lot of money For and sure. you know, you can do, it, it started to become more common where I'll get projects that were, you know, maybe 20, $30,000 budget. Yeah. So it made sense to invest in an even bigger camera. Um, one that had higher quality, one that could, I could then charge a premium price for. And then recently I actually downgraded. And so I, this was like, a week ago, I sold the red camera because it's all dependent upon your circumstances and, and the projects that you're creating. And you have to yeah. be very thoughtful about the tools that you're using. Mm -hmm. And for me now, I don't do client work anymore. I stopped doing client work six months ago. So all my work is YouTube videos and <laughs> online content. I don't know if you've used a red often, but the post-production workflow, yeah. it's crazy slow. Yeah. Um, so if I'm trying to create videos every week, I needed a camera that was more durable, lightweight. It could shoot audio and video into the same camera. You know, there's so many things that the red was holding me back from doing. Yeah. So I decided to to downsize. But I think that's what it is as a as a filmmaker and a minimalist filmmaker, or a minimalist in general. You have to consistently be taking a step back, looking at the stuff that you own in your life, and then trying to figure out like, does this apply to my life today? Like, it maybe at one point it did serve a purpose. But now this camera is actually holding me back. No, I get that for sure. It's funny with uh, a few years ago, I was looking at a bunch of cameras and everything was like changing so fast, especially in the like the DSLR world, which is what I was doing most of my client work with. And I just, I decided at that time, like, well, I'll just rent the cameras I need for the project, but I'll get some lenses that I really like using. <laughs> and so I've got a yeah. set of lenses and I still have my old camera body that I use for my own personal things and stuff, but like rent stuff when I need, like rent the latest camera when I need it now, since it changes so quickly. <laughs> and it, doesn't that like always hold you back a little bit from buying gear where you're like, I know like Canon's about to release yeah. like the C. 300 mark three or whatever you're like maybe i'll just wait a couple more months yeah i know and then you you get that and then half a year later there's a new version of it and you're like oh well it's the same thing especially well, with phones i mean <laughs> that's the thing that i find to be so bizarre just about technology and how people react to it where people with the cameras it's like man like two years ago you could get a used camera from like that was made two to three years ago 
for a price. It's like a Canon C100. The quality is incredible, and it's way better than anything I was shooting with when I started out. Uh, and people are like, well, it doesn't have the dual point autofocus, or it doesn't have this and that. And it's like, you don't need all that extra shit. Like, this, is, <laughs> this camera is going to be amazing for you. So, which I think is a good thing. I think people get a little bit too caught up in that stuff, too. It's just like the newest version of something. Yeah, for sure. It's it's crazy how fast things change now. I just, I mean, I even, I held out so long before upgrading my, my iPhone and uh, finally had to do it because my battery was so bad. And then, um, so I, like I looked into replacing it. It was like almost as much as just getting a new phone with a contract. And I was like, well, I'll just, I'll do that. I'll bite the bullet. And then like two weeks later, they announced that I guess there was like a flaw with the batteries on the 6S and they were replacing them for free. <laughs> like, no, oh, wow. no, I'm locked into this. It's crazy, but yeah. Yeah, nah, I feel like it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it, 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 my, my girlfriend always talks about, uh, with her clothing, she's not a minimalist by any stretch. Mm. And she always says it's price per wear. And that's the, how she justifies purchases where she's like, <laughs> Well, it's a two hundred dollars skirt, but you know, price per wear, it's like five dollars, two dollars. <laughs> and I'm that's like, I don't, I'm like, I don't know if that's like a great rationalization, but I get it. And like, but I think that the actual underlying message is, if you're gonna use it a lot, if you're gonna really value it, and it's gonna help you, or if you have a computer now and it's slow and it's laggy and it's causing so much frustration in your life and buying that new camera is gonna, you know, make you produce more efficiently and also relieve some stress from your life. And you have the money for it, then I would say, yeah, like go for it, make the make the purchase. Well, you mentioned that your girlfriend's not a minimalist. I mean, what's that like? What's that household like of the two of you oh. together? So I gotta say, she's not my girlfriend anymore. We just got engaged. Oh, congratulations! <laughs> by the way, thanks, man. Yeah, that happened uh, last week, actually. Oh, okay, uh, so pretty recently. Yeah, this is like a recent thing. So I'm like just trying to mentally shift in my head. I, oh, yeah. I don't know. Fiance is like a weird term. I don't like saying it fiance. It doesn't feel. It seems like you're bragging. And it also feels weird as I don't know as a male saying fiance for some reason. There's something about it that feels off. Like I don't it's know why. Masculating. Yeah, <laughs> fiance. I don't know. Yeah, There's yeah. It's like a light word. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'm going to use it. <laughs> they want to say my partner. Yeah. People say partner now. That's like a new one. I don't know. People didn't used to say but partner. But that has another connotation sometimes if they don't know, like, like if you say my partner, like I, I used to always, when I'd hear my partner, I always assumed same sex immediately. And then I'd, yeah. I'd meet him like, oh, I was totally thrown off. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were a police officer and that was like your partner. Yeah. Detective. <laughs> uh, I know. I actually, no, I, I feel the same way. I think it's changed though, because- yeah. As people have gotten married later in life and gotten in more serious relationships later in life, girlfriend feels inappropriate or boyfriend feels inappropriate for 35 year olds to 40 year olds. Yeah. But sure. they're like, I want to show that this is like a legitimate relationship, uh, but we just <laughs> haven't gotten married yet. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. But to go back to your question about living with a, a, somebody who isn't a minimalist, um, at first she actually thought it was a cult. Um, and some people do treat it as a cult so uh you know it it, it may be because it's kind of like in line with any lifestyle like veganism or anything like that you know people can almost have an air of superiority with lifestyle choices sure so she thought it was a cult and um you know i assured her that it wasn't and when she, we got to know each other, she just realized that like, oh, you know, it doesn't define who he is. It's not like it doesn't define his personality. It just defines the stuff that he has in his life. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, it helps him with his work. It helps him maybe be a little bit more productive. And so it doesn't really get in the way. When we moved in together, that's when like it became a little bit more challenging and we had to actually have more discussions and conversations about the stuff that we were buying. And, you know, it wasn't totally easy. Like, I, and we went to Ikea. Oh man, it was, <laughs> Ikea trips are tough alone, yeah. but the fact that we both have different styles and different ideas about what we wanted our place to be like, it yeah. was like, we, f- we felt like they should have uh, like relationship counseling at the end of the Ikea, like the last section, you just sit yeah. down and like talk about all your problems. Yeah. But, um, you know, and, but basically it just takes us a little bit longer to furnish, furnish our apartment. It takes a, because we both respect each other and that's what it comes down to. We respect yeah. each other's decisions and, and our lifestyle choices. And even though those are different with each other's opinion. So we, we just take our time with the stuff and, you know, like this table that I'm using right now, uh, we, it took us like three, this is going to sound crazy. It took us like three months to like pick the table. And then also it was back ordered, but we're like, we both finally found a table that we loved. So we're willing <laughs> to wait three months for this to come on back order. Um, and I think that's, you know, it takes a little bit of patience as well. Yeah. Well, that seems to be a big part of like the, the whole minimalist movement too, is like, just not getting stuff because it's cheap or convenient, but getting something that you care about, but also will last and, you know, be of good quality, which is, which is something that I'm finding too. It's like, I don't want to buy stuff if I know I'm going to have to replace it in, you know, a few weeks or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I remember being young, like sales were so tempting. Like anytime you saw, like, especially during the holidays, any place where you would normally get clothes from, if it was 40% off, 50% off, they would do, they do crazy sales during the holidays which would always get me to like run out and buy something. And the good thing now about being a minimalist and like having thought through all these decisions already, like I have a very simple wardrobe. I'm not, I don't care as much about what people think. I think that's part about growing up as well is that you Mm -hmm. care less about what people think about what you wear. And I'm just, I don't have that pull anymore, which is nice. You know, like the holidays come around. I don't feel like I have to run in to save 40% off and I end up buying something that I'm probably not, that's not going to be my favorite thing that I'm probably never going to wear. That's just going to go to the back of my closet. Yeah, no, for sure. I used to do that too. I'd like, I'd go in any store and immediately go to the sales rack and I'm like, Oh, this is kind of, kind of, I like this sort of, and, and then like buy it and then would never wear it. Or the worst was I didn't realize that outlet stores for the longest time sold, didn't sell the same stuff as the real stores and they would sell like cheaper versions of it. And I'm like, why does this stuff fall apart? I usually, I love stuff from J crew, but this is, this thing is like, is that true? Cause I didn't know that. Yeah. There's a great, uh, podcast, uh, with Adam Conover, uh, Adam ruins everything. I don't know if you've seen him on, yeah. he's pretty funny, but he did this whole thing on like fast fashion and it was really interesting. He talked about all the outlet stores, but we, we did last year, we kind of had a, a minimalist Christmas. We had so much going on with work and everything and traveling to, uh, for the holidays. We just knew that every time we go back, like it's, we, we were minimalist with our gifts and our time. We were like, Every time we go back for the holidays, each side of our family want time with us. So we basically, we traveled on Christmas Day where it was much cheaper to travel. And we decided our Christmases are going to be these days with our family. So there was none of this weird kind of tensions. And then we also just gave all the guys and all the girls the same gift and a gift card to whatever their favorite thing is. And it was like the least 
like stressful like shopping kind of holiday situation we've had in a long time. It was really nice. <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. I think that we ha- have these expectations on ourselves that like um, Christmas has to be this way or like uh, you know, I know my mom would just like every Christmas she would bake like 300, 400 cookies and like distribute it to the entire school district. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that difficult. I mean, if you love it, if that's what you're passionate about and you want to like do that for for people, that's great. But if it's stressing you out, there's a simpler way to go about Christmas. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me too, is like getting out in front of it and letting people know the kind of gifts that I want. It's kind of easy now that like I've branded myself as a minimalist. (laughs) So people, they, they know automatically, but if you yourself like don't have a podcast or you don't talk about this stuff often publicly, um, just get out in front of it and have conversations with your family, people who would normally buy you gifts and let them know the kind of gifts that you would actually want. Um, I've, you know, since now a lot of the gifts that I get, it's like, I'll get whiskey, I'll get, uh, which, which is great because it's like whiskey. If, if you're into it, it can get expensive Yeah, for sure. Uh, to buy bottles like every month or so. So having that is like a really nice treat. Um, I'll get like coffee or usually just consumables, things that, uh, I will use up. And then that way too, if they make a mistake and they buy me shitty whiskey, it's not the end of the world. (laughs) I don't have to really try to figure out a way to get rid of it. Make some cocktails with it or something. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. We, I, I did the same thing this year. I made a list and everything was like links to like, uh, gift cards or subscriptions and stuff. So I was like, I put like, Oh, he, like I always buy, if I need stuff, I usually buy it on Amazon. I was like, I put like an Audible subscription because I use Audible. I buy, I listen to a book a month. Uh, movie Pass, like that's what I did. We yeah. got Movie Pass. Like, so like it was all stuff that I didn't have to take a bunch of stuff home too. Like, cause when you're visiting family, like, I don't know if you have to travel to see your family for the holidays, but then you're like, you've got all this stuff. You're like, how am I going to take this back and fit it in my LA apartment too? <laughs> you know what we did though, too? I, I actually, I agree with you. I mean, my family's all on the East coast now and actually Natalie, lit, her family is from Australia. Oh, so, wow. so, well, actually this is like one of the, this is super minimalist, but we only, we just split every other year. So, you know, one Christmas idea. will be in Sydney, one Christmas will be in Jersey and it'll be, you know, we'll switch every time, which, uh, which makes it a little bit easier, but we, I've got a big family. I've got uh, six brothers and sisters. And so what we started to do once everybody became, you know, adult and could chip in, we started to do secret Santa, which is, oh, yeah. We just, I think we do Secret Santa and we do like White Elephant. So all you have to buy is two gifts. Yeah, that's uh, and, nice. and that's pretty much it. Which and everybody seems totally content and happy with it. And it adds like a little bit of excitement and I don't know, just easier. Ten to fifteen gifts. Now, is White Elephant the one where you find a really bad gift and then somebody's? <laughs> what's the, what's the one where oh. it's like a gag? Where you- so the well, it's not a gag necessarily, but everybody buys a gift, and there's usually a price limit. Uh, so twenty five, fifty dollars, whatever it is, yeah. and then you wrap it and then you put it in. Everybody puts it in like a pile, okay. and then you pull a number, and then you know number one gets to go first, so they pick out the first present. And then the second person can either choose from the pile or they can steal the gift that was just open from number one. Oh, yeah. And then it just goes like that. So you can basically screw somebody over um, or you can pick a surprise present. It's a lot of fun. That's fun. You got to go last when you play that. That's uh, you get the pick of. <laughs> <laughs> you get the pick of everybody's present. Yeah. I remember yeah. Actually, it's a lot of hurt feelings. <laughs> we did one party like that, but everyone brought like something they had from home that was like an odd 
gift and the weirdest one was somebody brought like some vhs of the 1996 olympics that they recorded themselves <laughs> oh my god that's so good yeah. that, see that's what i think that's what it should be the, yeah. the one that always like kills is like lottery tickets oh, yeah. <laughs> people, people just clamor over those things they're yeah. like everybody's stealing that from each other but i like the idea of just like putting the most random shit in there or maybe even throwing an extra present in and not claiming it. Yeah. Something really good that everyone's going to fight over and then you, yeah, nobody yeah. knows you brought it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, uh, let's talk about uh, your podcast, um, how that came about. Because I'm kind of like, I'm a, at least the last couple of years, we kind of been a, I guess, a, a sort of, what do you call it? I don't want to say self-help, but self-growth, I guess, self-growth, self-development, self-development kind of junkie yeah. and stuff. And that's kind of along the, like, I mean, I could be painting it wrong, but along the lines of what it seems like you do, and there's some, you have some great guests, and I was watching a bunch of clips before this. Um, how did that get started? Why did you want to start a show like that? Yeah, I, you know, starting a podcast in 2017, is that when you started yours, 2017? Yeah, same Yeah, year. so, yeah. you know, you kind of, you're thinking to yourself, like, you know you want to do it, maybe you like listening to podcasts, but you're like, is it worth it? Like, it feels like... <laughs> You know, the wave has kind of passed, right, where yeah. it's it's very popular. If you got in early, then there was a good and you stuck with it. There was a good chance that you could have a successful podcast or one that people listen to. Um, so there was a lot of doubts going into it. But I think I just like was a fan of it and was like, you know what? I could do this. Some podcasts I listened to and I was like, I could do it better than them, at least no. in terms of the quality. Uh, maybe I could ask different questions. Maybe I could, you know, have a conversation in a different way. So I kind of like stuck with that and just decided to do it my own way, inevitably adding video as like a very big component from the beginning. That way I could, it's hard to share podcasts and like to get an idea of what the feeling is like of a conversation. So that's helped me a lot, especially in the very beginning. And like, if you get a decent guest and they like the video clip that you cut, then they could share it on their stuff. And then it helps to draw some people over. So I did that, but I guess the entire in, the intention behind starting the podcast was I created minimalism. We had no expectation that it was going to do well. That I mean, I invested $15,000 into it. Josh and Ryan from The Minimalist probably double more than that. So we, you know, invested a good chunk of change into making this film without any expectation, no guarantees from Netflix or anybody that they were going to pick it up afterwards, but just because it was a story that we believed in. And we, and for me, it was like, you know, that's a dream to be able to make a feature length documentary. So uh, we, we put it out there and then it actually did well and we made our money back and, and some, and it gave me, like some runway and the ability to step back and be like, you know what, do I want to keep doing the client work or is there an opportunity to leverage this runway and also this kind of inspiration that I've gotten from being able to create an original project into something new? Uh, so that's what I decided to do. And the podcast was like the first thing that I did really. Yeah. And it's just something to, to, you know, the one thing that I've learned from all the self-development books and audio tapes that I've listened to is you have to be consistent and you have to just keep making and keep producing. Mm-hmm. So the podcast was, is, has been one of my most consistent pieces of content that I've made over the past two years or so, really the past year and a half, I guess. And it's been, you know, just every once a week, 
early on it was a little bit scattered. <laughs> yeah. But it's been every single week I've put out a podcast and videos and teasers and all the extra content to it. And I guess the underlying thing that really made it worth it was the fact that I was able to just connect with really awesome people. Yeah. And that might sound like cliche, but like really if I, if nobody listened to the podcast, it wouldn't really matter because like I've been able to meet really awesome people. And these are potential friendships down the road. Like I've definitely made a couple friends for, through doing podcasts, but I've also made, um, you know, potential business partners, potential collaborators on future projects. You just never know how these opportunities will, will spawn into something new down the road. And it's like, how many coffee dates are you going to go on? How many lunch dates are you going to go on? I yeah. feel like a podcast is such a great way to both create a piece of content and also meet somebody and have a meaningful conversation. Yeah. For sure. And you guys do, you do a great job with it too. Like your branding is really, I mean, it's minimalist and simple and it looks really cool, but I like, I like your, your, I mean, your set is super cool. Your color is, looks really good. From a, from a filmmaking background, I love the way that it's colored, but I also love your little, like, uh, your little promos you do with like the, I guess, is it GIF or GIF? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I should, it's one of, that's one of those things that like, even if like you, we looked it up right now, we would still forget it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's, it's super cool. You guys do a great job with it. And I, I really enjoy the content of it too. Thanks man. I, um, yeah, it was, I mean, it's, it's evolved a little bit cause I started out in Brooklyn and then we just moved to LA. So, oh wow. Um, I, yeah, it's actually not even like the most, ideal setup, at least for me, just because it's actually shot in my dining room yeah. where I am right now. So it's a very small setup, but like as a filmmaker and like, that's what I'm trying to teach too, even on the YouTube channel is like using the resources you have and you don't need to have, you know, the nicest camera in the world, but you do have to like learn the craft and be very good at it and be able to adapt to situations. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like podcasts too, like they could grow out of control sometimes with like, especially with us when we have, you know, two or three at least co-hosts at a time. And then you get into a point where it's like, well, we need to do this the same way all the time. Otherwise, it won't be the same. And that's kind of what we got into. And then we just kind of like we reformatted a little bit this year where it's like, well, it'll be two to three guys, but it might not always be the same because that's hard to get (laughs) get that many people in one place at the same time (laughs) yeah isn't that funny i mean that even goes so far as to like how you open up the show and like do we you know for the longest time i would do like a little music and then a clip from the the person that was on the show like almost like a teaser for the show and then i'd come to me where i give you know my take on it and that's had so many different iterations maybe like 10 or 12 different ways in which i've done that and then I recently changed it again, but like, and then I, now that like people actually listen to my podcast, I got a couple of people, people being like, bring back the old intro, <laughs> this new intro sucks. And I'm like, oh, come on. That, <laughs> that stuff I feel like is not as important as like just the substance yeah. of the overall podcast, yeah, you know? Sure. And like, I was, I was curious too. I was like, all right, well, if I, so I was trying to actually simplify and, and, and make it easier for myself just because I'm trying to create a lot of content and create a lot of stuff. I was like, you know what, if I maybe make the intro just an open straight to me talking and then just a short little music clip. And then we go into the podcast versus editing this video and audio and music and all this stuff in the beginning that might take me two hours to do. I could then just cut it down to like 20 minutes. 
And I tried that and I was like, let me actually see if it has an effect if listenership goes down, if there's not as many downloads. Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't have any, it didn't have any <laughs> effect. So it's like, I think that a lot of times we get into a pattern and a routine of doing something a certain way and we feel like we have to keep doing it that way. Yeah. But it takes stepping back again and saying, all right, can, is there any way I can make this a little bit more efficient, a little bit easier? Yeah, for sure. And then like, the even the like the promo and stuff that goes into it and the social media and stuff it's amazing how much time it takes up i don't think i knew how much time it would take up when i first started doing it like because then it started out like oh well i need to make an episode card that's unique to this episode and then like oh yeah it's like a 30 minute photoshop job and, <laughs> and like uploading oh my god all the different and doesn't th- it yeah. doesn't it seem easy from the outside like yeah. when we're just consuming podcasts it's like oh this is easy i could do this yeah <laughs> and then you're like oh my god like all the little things like you said like the the title cards the graphics all that stuff and mm. and then i think you know you, you got to think about what's really making the biggest impact and maybe looking at the 80, 20 and I would create a custom square thumbnail for every episode with that person's image. So when they would open up the episode that like on their iPhone app, it would pop up with the custom image. And then I realized, why am I doing that? That's probably not helping at all. And it probably would be better if it was just my podcast thumbnail. So that way they would see the same image every time. So those are the things that you learn, like a lot of time wasted, but you know, you have to, you have to try to step back and see what's working and what's not. Yeah. We, we got to this bright idea and our, our listeners actually look for them and they look forward to them. So we keep doing them. But, um, like every episode we take some, cause like the way that it's like the ours is set up is supposed to feel like kind of like a, a cigar lounge or like a, like a men's lounge kind of thing. And so we would take a picture of somebody with like a, some celebrity with smoking a pipe or cigar that was vintage and then add earbuds to every, <laughs> to all of them. Oh, that's amazing. Episode number. So, but then it like, it, it gets hard finding new images now. It's like how many more like black and white images can we find of somebody smoking? <laughs> My brother had this, uh, this Instagram account called kids with beards and like it went like viral it was like he it like blew up. maybe it was a tumblr account or whatever but it went viral this was years ago and uh it was like he was putting in like two hours from home from work every day just scouting like celebrity <laughs> child photos and then photoshopping beards onto them and i'm like eventually it got to a point where he's like i can't do this anymore oh, i mean man. i'm like I don't see where that could go. I don't think you can monetize kids with beards. Yeah, no. You, then you got to take user submissions or something at that point. We, I might have used one of his once because I have a friend that's really famous for his beard, and we did like kind of like a, a funny kind of video, like a montage kind of tribute video with him, and we cut to a video, uh, an image of him as a child, and it was a baby with a beard. I wonder if that came from your your brother's Instagram because <laughs> I didn't want to do the Photoshop amazing. work. I'm like, there's got. I just searched baby beard. And then came up. So. <laughs> I guarantee that was Mark. I don't think anybody else has had that idea yet. Yeah. <laughs> to his credit, super original. Not much of a future with it though. Yeah. <laughs> so oh good. man, that's hilarious. Um well I mean yeah we were, we talked a lot about minimalism and now we're kind of talking about like social media and promo and stuff, but like how much does minimalism play in like the digital world in terms of social media and stuff? Because I feel like there's been many times where I just want to get rid of all my social media, but I have to have it for, you know, work purposes. And then I think, well, maybe I'll just use one form of social media, which is also kind of impossible for the work <laughs> work I do. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you manage that as a minimalist? 
I, I love that idea of like not doing every, I mean, we can't do everything. Yeah, yeah. There's only so much that we can actually do. And there's only, we can only be so active across these accounts. And there's so many videos that we can make in a week and we want to be as efficient as possible and follow what's working in the beginning. It can be hard because you know, nobody's following, nobody's listening, you know, it, you're not getting any feedback to really understand it. Um, but you know, when I was a year or so into creating content and pushing it out to every platform, I started to see where, uh, my followings were, were resonating. Like, I mean, YouTube just took off like crazy. So that for me was like, Oh, okay, maybe I should spend more time focusing on creating YouTube videos and really focusing on creating more quality content versus just trying to you know, in the beginning, it was just posting clips from the podcast on the YouTube channel, yeah. kind of like jo Joe Rogan. It's like yeah. you see some templates, and you're like, oh, that's easy. Like he gets millions and millions of views on every single clip that he puts out. So maybe that will work for me. And it's like, oh, no, that doesn't really work for at least, you know what I mean? You yeah, have yeah. to be Joe Rogan for that to work. Um, <laughs> and you so, also have to have an assistant named Jamie also. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, 100%. Like you, you, you can't do it all yourself. Yeah. Um, and I, obviously now he even has, uh, you know, fans who are just pulling these clips and putting yeah. them up on the thing. And I think he actually has a system that goes through and like connects with these other YouTube channels and accounts to, um, get a percentage of the monetization that they come in. I think, oh, wow. I think I heard that That's somewhere. Cool. Uh, yeah, I think he's got like a team maybe that does that, but with the social media, it's like, I don't use Facebook. I don't use Snapchat. Uh, I have a Facebook account just because you know how it's like interlinked to all these other random accounts that I've signed up for years ago. And I'm like, yeah. all right, I'll keep it open. And I will sometimes just click the check on Instagram to push the videos there, but I don't really do any monitoring. I don't comment. I don't even really log into Facebook. So Instagram is pretty big for me. Twitter. Those are like the only two social media accounts. YouTube is kind of like social media, but it's really more of like a platform than yeah. anything. It's kind of like a podcast or whatever. So it's focusing on, on the things that are working, focusing on less of it. And then I actually use an app called Buffer. I don't know if you use oh, it. Oh, I've heard of this. I haven't tried. I used to use Hootsuite a lot, but then it kind of got laggy. Yeah, I used Hootsuite back in the day. Uh, and I used to use Buffer and then I stopped using it. But now that, but that was when I was like, kind of not really serious about it. But then when I went all in and was like, I'm doing a podcast every week, I'm making a YouTube video, at least one or two every week. Uh, and then all the other stuff that goes along with it. I was like, I need something that can help me to push these out and to schedule posts. So buffer it's buffer.com. They're pretty, that's not a paid sponsorship, <laughs> but they're, uh, they don't pay me, but they're amazing. And they've been very helpful for me. Like you can, I basically went back at the beginning of the summer and scheduled three and a half months worth of Instagram and Twitter posts, like old photos, throwback Thursdays, uh, just kind of went through over the day or two and batched that like basically two posts a week on both accounts. Right. That way I would have something there, something consistent that I don't need to be there posting all the time. Yeah. And then with the podcast, it's like, I'll maybe create three, I'll be three to four weeks ahead of the game in terms of creating content. And then I can just schedule that all through buffer. So, and then I would say just the technical aspect of it with like certain videos or certain things with Instagram, it just notifies me on my app on buffer that you have to post to these accounts. Oh, okay. 
So, and then like I can, it just opens up and then it'll, it'll send it through the app on my phone to Instagram. It's very easy to use, but that's one way me from having to constantly in the moment, think about interesting things to do and say, and always be present. Some people that's like their style. It's like, Hey, I'm always on Instagram stories and I'm like posting about my day all the time. I don't know. I just, for me, that's just a lot of work. And it requires you to always be on, to always yeah. be in that mindset of what's going to be interesting. What's going to be, you know, how can I show this dinner out with my girlfriend in a fun way, as opposed yeah. to just enjoying the moment, yeah. uh, every, to each their own. But for me, it doesn't work that well. So that's kind of how I view social media from a creator pers- creative perspective. I try to look at it through the lens of a business and try to look at it. How can I be efficient with these posts? How can I be thoughtful about how it's coming out? Uh, and how can I also make content that, say, for my podcast guest, if there's going to be cross-posted, how can I make it so it's going to benefit them and make them look yeah. good? And, uh, and then, obviously, from a consumer side, it's a different story. And I try to reduce. And like if I'm doing it well and I'm doing it right, I will schedule all social media and email for 45 minutes to an hour every day. Yeah. Um, that way, I'm not having these micro interruptions. Like, I mean, there's an app called Moment, which allows you to, it tracks your phone usage and how much time you use on your phone. And the average person, it's between four to five, I think four to six hours or so in terms of how much time they're on the phone every day. And I mean, on heavy days, like it can get up to there for me too, when I'm not being mindful about it. And I think that sneaks up on you. But then if I'm actually practicing this, you know, habit, this daily routine of only doing it for one hour a day, I usually use my phone for maybe 15 minutes a day, which is like drastically reduced. And you think about like how much work I'm actually uh, getting done and how much more effective I'm being. And also, like, I think that social media kind of just drains you a bit. And like when you're always looking at a screen and you're always just flicking through and looking for that dopamine hit, yeah. it doesn't leave you feeling good at the end of the day. No, it doesn't. You feel really drained. It's weird. It's weird. I, I started to have to use a – I used an app. I go through periods where I don't use it for a while and then – you know, I'll, I'll get into a period where I'm using it because there's something I'm promoting or there's some event that I'm keeping up with or whatever. And I always end up feeling worse for being on it more. But I started using an app called, uh, I think it's called Freedom 2. And mm-hmm. it's like, it, bl- it ends up blocking my phone and computer from getting on like social media for like certain times of the day. And it makes it so much easier where it's like, oh, I guess I'm not going to do that until the 30, <laughs> 30 minute window I have at the end of the day, if I get to it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I love that. My, uh, my friend Nate, he does this thing called, he calls it the nuclear mode where he, his girlfriend, he doesn't know the, the, basically you can block certain apps on your phone. So he has her go in and block the apps and then set a password. It's almost like a parent parental restriction. Oh, cool. Uh, and that way he ha- he can't open Instagram if he wanted to. He can't open any of these apps even if he wanted to, wow. which um, I think like, like the Freedom app, these are just ways. Our brains aren't very good. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we, yeah. we're not very good at, at, at uh, being disciplined and not picking the phone up, not checking it. Once we fall into these, this habit loop of wanting to check, yeah. It's very hard to break it. So you have to go to some pretty extreme measures in order to do that. Yeah. I used to think too, well, you know, that means I'm a bad, like a crappy person if I can't 
find the willpower to not look at social media or whatever. But I was like, you know, I'm, I'm human. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to, to do it all by my, by myself. Let's uh, just use an app. It'll make it easier. Yeah. I mean. we, get, we, we do get very hard on ourselves. Yeah. And like, I, I get very, uh, I guess I just get bummed out even like early on for me trying to build healthy habits. Yeah. Like I was always the smallest kid in school. I was like a hundred pounds and it wasn't like the being small. It was more like the being the weakest kid in the class, which was like the the part that was hard for me because it was like I didn't have any control. Yeah. So I kept trying to add on weight. And like through high school and college, it was so difficult. I weighed like 115 pounds maybe. And then it just started to click. But it was more about like experimenting and trying different things and not doing the same thing every single time, you yeah. know, not trying to fall into that, that same trap of like, Oh, if I just go to the gym, that's all I'll need to do. It's like, Oh no, you need to do something different. Maybe get personal training, maybe yeah. try a new workout supplement. Um, but it's definitely approaching it from different angles. Yeah. For me with like fitness stuff, it was having something different, like something different, almost like, I hate to say novelty, but something different to do that I could like take to the park or whatever. Like, I started doing like kettlebells last year and then like a few months, like a month ago, I started doing sandbags and stuff like that where it's like, oh, it's something to keep my brain engaged. Otherwise, I just get bored with doing the same thing over and over. But I know that's not very minimalist. Now I've got a weird collection of heavy objects. (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah. I, um, I I just started, I like to do sports too, like to kind of mix those in or to get different workouts. Sometimes I'll do the classes. I just signed up actually with Josh and Ryan from the minimalists. We're in a dodgeball league now. (laughs) That's fun. Oh my God, dude. It's so much fun. And like, it's such a workout. Like at the end of it, I'm sweating like crazy. It may be not the best for my arm. I think I'm going to like throw my arm out, (laughs) but it's like, I think that's actually one thing we forget too, as we get older is to actually have fun and enjoy your time. And like, Mm -hmm. if you can do that in a workout or you can find a way to get active and do something that's not achievement related, work related, I think you're going to be happier. Sure. All right. Uh, Matt, if people want to find you, where can they go? Uh, MattDiavella.com. It's M-A-T-T-D-A-V-E-L-L-A.com. There's like links to all the, the YouTube, Twitter, all that stuff. That's awesome. And thank you so much for doing this. We've got to have you back on. And now that you're in LA, maybe we could do this in person at some point. <laughs> I thought you yeah, were still would, on the I East Coast. <laughs> no, yeah, dude, I would love to do that. Let's, uh, let's try to link up at some point. And we can, because I know normally you're, I, I heard a couple episodes, you, you usually pop some beers open or yeah. smoke some cigars. So yeah. maybe we could actually do that in person and yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, have, have a couple drinks. That'd be awesome, man. Well, thanks again. Cool, dude. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Gents, it's fall. And you know what that means? You guessed it. Pumpkin everything. Now, before you go and start calling me basic... Let me tell you about Phoenix Shaving's new fragrance line called Atomic Pumpkin. Now, this isn't your run-of-the-mill seasonal pumpkin pie offering that everybody's doing. This is something a little more sophisticated and alluring. This aftershave and soap line stays within the classic bay rum tradition, but adds a false spin. Because Atomic Pumpkin Bay Rum is steeped in classic pumpkin pie spices for up to six weeks before the batch is complete. It's like some, it's like a, like almost like a crazy whiskey or cigar or anything that's aged. I'm running out of, I don't, what else is aged? Uh, only whiskey and cigars, wine, I guess. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know. The point is, I mean, 
Look at these ingredients. There's West Indian Bay, Moro Blood Orange, Allspice, Cinnamon, Ginger, Nutmeg, and Elemi Resin. I don't know what that is, but it sounds festive. This is some fall masculine magic done right, guys. So if you're wanting to step up your grooming game this fall, maybe impress the lady in your life, make a great impression at work or school, then check out this limited edition line by Phoenix Shaving. Just go to gentlemanscofflaw.com slash shave, and a portion of anything you buy with that link goes to help support this podcast. So you get to kill two birds with one stone. You support the show you love, and you get to fight off ladies with a stick because you smell so damn good. Is that sexist? I don't know. Maybe. But that's why I'm a scofflaw and a gentleman. All right, so that's gentlemanscofflaw.com slash shave, and stop being a slave to the drugstore shave. All right. Um, I like I like that Matt Devella. It was yeah. a, a fun interview. I like talking to him. Um, hopefully, have him back on. Um, he's living in LA these days too, so nice. maybe we could uh, we could uh, do it in person next time. Also, um, you know what time it is? What? It's time for our Phoenix listener mail shaving <laughs> giveaway. Yeah. So let's announce the winner of last month's giveaway. Um, let's get a little drum roll, please. And the winner of Al Finn Aftershave Cologne okay, is getting tired. ZMay528 <laughs> on Instagram. Woohoo! Yay, so uh, you'll be getting that in the mail shortly. Um, thank you for uh, reposting and yep. uh, joining the contest. And this month we're giving away a little bit of... Aftershave from Phoenix Shaving. The jitterbug. It's called Jitterba- Jitterbug Fougère. Are you pronouncing that right? Fougère. I mean, he French. is from French oh. Canada. I, yeah, if, you, if anyone would know. What does it mean, Jordan? Um, I don't know. I've never heard the word up. before. Um, and it's it's kind of got a cool label here. It's got like what looks like a, a, like a hip jazz musician um, on, a, on a checker floor. Uh, he's clearly a, j- a jitterbug version of he's the like, jazz musician. He's like a, he's like a bug, right? Mm. Yeah. Like he's got the body of a bug, but a yeah. mustache like a jazz musician. Yeah, and in it, you've got <laughs> lavender, <laughs> peppermint. Um, I guess it's a lavender pepper. Let me, let's give it a little whiff here. Let's see what it smells like. Oh, I can describe fougere. Oh, fougere. That's nice. It's got a peppery kind of floral peppery mm. kind of uh, mm. Fougere flavor. Fern in French is a fragrance family including fresh floral, herbaceous, yeah, it does, you're and woody right. warm elements. And then with other things, there's a long list of awesome yeah. notes. So it's a very cool bottle, uh, and it smells really great. So if you always wanna, cool bottles, it's a great dance cool. too. Great dance, <laughs> jitterbug. All right, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So if you want to uh, enter the contest, go to our Instagram, Instagram.com/slash/gentscofflaw, and uh, instructions for how to win it are on there. Um, how else can people support the show, guys? If people want to support the show, what's a, what's a way they can do that? Well, there's Patreon. There's Patreon. And mm-hmm. there's also uh, Gentleman Scofflaw uh, merch. Merch, yeah. We've got some cool stuff on there. We mentioned we've got mugs. 
That's a way to support yourself too. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Make yourself look a little cool. Self-care. Self-care, self-love. Self-care. Um, <laughs> speaking important. of self-care, self-care get yourself a flask. Um, yeah. Oh, my. oh yeah. <laughs> and take it to the movie. It's fall, right? Yeah. So just take it to the football game. Uh, take, take it to work. Take it to yeah, work. Tell your boss it's self-care. He's yeah, exactly. It's none of his business. It's none of his business. Yeah, he can go get a Santa kit. There you go. Never mind. Yeah, so go to Gentleman's Coffee. Flaw.com, click the shop link and you could uh, see all the cool stuff we have. And also um, there will be a, a show notes for this episode. Yeah. All right. Donovan, you are a gentleman and a scofflaw, my friend. As are you, my friend. Thank you. Lady scofflaw. <laughs> yes. You are a lady and a scofflaw, my friend. Thank you, darling. All right. <laughs> That's how I should have responded. Thank you, darling. Thank you, darling. Uh, you guys have a great week. This has been the Gentleman's Scofflaw Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com. Captain says, his ice on the river, we ain't getting home if we don't break through. So damn cold, I can't help but shiver. Rise and shine, we got work to do. Hey!